As a rhetorical device, apophysis can serve several purposes. Apophysis can serve purposes. Purposes of apophysis. <laughs> Plosives. For example, it can be employed to employed. The apophysis, there's purposes of apophysis which can be employed. <laughs> Could you have any more plosives? This dead cat here is definitely saving your ears from the p -p -p. So, um, yeah, it can be employed to raise an ad hominem. And we know what ad hominems are, so I'm not going to... It's, uh, you can use it to raise an ad hominem, which may or may not be true, or uh, otherwise controversial attack while uh, claiming or disclaiming responsibility for it. So I refuse to discuss uh, the rumor of this person's uh, drunk driving or the rumor that this person was having an affair. I refuse to talk about their affairs, right? So they may not have even have had affairs, but you're saying that you're refusing to talk about them is the apophysis, right? You're, you're saying, you're implying the natural interpretation, the, the information that you're conveying is that they had an affair, even though you are not saying they had an affair. Now, this seems pretty simple, but it can be used uh, slyly, and uh, and you'll see it in, used in uh, quite often. You know, I'm not talking about how much of a crook you are. I'm not. I don't want to talk about um, how you raise taxes. I want to talk about this. I don't want it. So by saying these things, you are saying them, right? But you're also trying to make yourself look uh, to the audience that you are above it. So you don't uh, delve into this smeary sewer of rhetoric when, in fact, you are swimming in it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's definitely used in politics, right? It's, uh, um, you can, it, it, it can be, I guess, a form of passive aggressiveness, right? So passive aggressiveness is aggression that is passive, obviously. It's a, it's a hostility where you're avoiding direct communication. So instead of saying, I am pissed off that you did this, that is just somebody expressing themselves. A passive aggressive behavior would be slamming your coffee on the table and not talking about what's upsetting you that the person did, right? So this passive aggressive behavior is, well, it's passive. <laughs> um, an example would be, uh, I forgive you for your jealousy, so I won't even mention what a betrayal it was. So you hear that, so that you're, you're forgiving them. Uh, this is a non-apology apology. You're forgiving them for their jealousy, right? So that's sort of an attack. And then you're also saying, uh, using the apophysis by saying you're not going to mention what a betrayal it was. So it's a non-apology apology and a apophysis thrown in. So this is how uh, manipulation actually works. You start layering all these different concepts together. For example, that sentence he uses in at least two, the non-apology apology, the uh, of I forgive you for your jealousy, and uh, the apophysis, so I won't even mention. So it is a, an attack. Instead, on the face of it, the literal interpretation is that it's an apology, but what it really is, is an attack. So I guess, the, again, the literal interpretation versus natural. Anyway, so... Uh, in Cicero's pro calio speech, he said, I now forgive, he said in, in Latin, oblivious, I am, I am, whatever, I don't know why I know Latin. 
I know I now forgive your wrongs, Claudia. I set aside the memory of my pain that you caused. So this is, you know, it's the same thing. I don't know why they're going so far back to uh, Cicero. But, I mean, there's a lot more recent examples of people using this. But I guess the whole point is this is so old that it's been used by civilized people for a long time. And probably uncivilized ones as well. I don't know if the savages, uh, you know, uh, do this or not. I don't know. So apophysis can be used to discuss a taboo subject. So this is interesting. So we are fully loyal to the emperor, so we would not dare to claim that his new clothes are a transparent hoax. So um, this is like the dear emperor stuff. So you know that that's obviously from the story of the emperor's new clothes, where the emperor is naked and all the idiots wouldn't uh, mention. They were all like, oh yeah, those are fantastic clothes until the, the naive, innocent, honest child said, the emperor's naked. What's wrong with you idiots? <laughs> Right. Of course, the radical fringe in this case happened to be a, an innocent child. And all the, the sheeple were all agreeing, despite reality uh, and evidence blatantly showing that the emperor was naked. <laughs> this is such an apt story that should be told to children today, because morons everywhere are still saying the emperor's new clothes look fabulous, especially in Canada, the CBC and all the news organizations and CTV and, and, and global and even the, the far right ones, right? They all are, oh, isn't Trudeau fantastic until some new monsters coming along and then they'll be like, oh, he's garbage. Look at the new, the, the next new monster. We can all say their invisible clothes are fantastic. Like Fauci. Fauci's naked. Um, as a rhetorical device, it can serve various purposes, often dependent on the relationship of the speaker to the addressee and the extent of their shared knowledge. So if you're talking to an idiot, I guess, if you don't have that knowledge, does that make you an idiot if you don't know something? I don't think so. Cause we don't. That makes us all idiots because there's a lot of stuff. Uh, we all don't know. In fact, if you look at the the totality of knowledge, which is possibly infinite, what we know, the finite little tiny bit that we all know as a collective species is infinitesimal compared to the infinite, right? So you couldn't, or maybe we're all, maybe that is, maybe we are all idiots because we are not omniscient. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, uh, apophysis. So that, I'm going to say that part again just to refresh. Was um, it oft, It's often dependent on the relationship of the speaker to the addressee and the extent of their shared knowledge. Apophysis is rarely literal. So here they're saying it's rarely the literal interpretation. It's usually the natural interpretation. It conveys meaning through implications that may depend on this context. As an example of how meaning shifts, the English phrase, needless to say, why would they say the English phrase? I'm speaking English. Well, I mean, the English, unless they're saying this is a British phrase. I mean, I've heard people say this in the United States and Canada and all around English speaking world. So why would they say the English phrase? Needless to say, needless to say, I'm speaking English invokes a shared understanding, but its actual meaning depends, its actual meaning. So what are they talking about? The actual meaning 
depends on whether that understanding is was really shared. Needless to say, the speaker is alleging that it is not necessary to say something because the addressee already knows it, but this may not be true. If it is, it may merely emphasize a pertinent fact. If the knowledge is weighted with history, it may be an indirect way of levying an accusation, needless to say, because you are responsible. But if the addressee does not actually already possess the knowledge, it may be a way to uh, condescend the speaker uh, suspected as much, uh, but wanted to call attention to the addressee's ignorance. Conversely, it could be a sincere and polite way to share necessary information that the addressee may or may not know without implying that the addressee is ignorant. This is skill of how to use rhetoric, right? So how do you employ this? Do you want to insult somebody or do you want to use it tactfully to um, imply knowledge that they should know, which they don't? For example, to highlight a spelling error, instead of pointing out the error, one could simply use uh, the word in passing spelled correctly. Or grammatically, people might say, repeat something that you've said if you said it incorrectly and say it correctly. Um, a good example would be, um, what do people often say wrong? Uh, vehement. A lot of people say uh, vehement. They'll say, uh, or vehicle. They'll say vehicle. So if you hear somebody say the vehicle, you could say, yes, the vehicle was, right? So you drop the H because it is silent. And when you say the H, you sound like an ignorant hillbilly from, uh, I don't want to say somewhere because now I'm stereotyping whatever that location would be. So uh, vehicle. I've heard people in court say the vehicle. It's a H is silent, you fucking retard. Vehicle, <laughs> right? And vehement, it's the same thing. Some people will say it improperly. So if you, if you, it's a, it's a passive aggressive way here of repeating what the person said in the proper way or spelling it correctly if you're typing, communicating with text or email or what writing. So apophysis can serve to politely avoid the suggestion of ignorance on the part of an audience as found in the narrative style of Adzo of Milk in Umberto's Eco, the name of a rose. I have no idea what that is. Where the character fills in details of early 14th century history for the reader by stating it is unnecessary to speak of them. Conversely, the same introduction can be made sarcastically and condescend to an audience and imply their ignorance. Needless to say, the vaccines are not safe. Needless to say, there's no science to prove that they are safe and have no adverse long-term effects. That's needless to say. Another diplomatic use would be to raise a criticism indirectly, as in, it would be out of line for me to say that the, this action would be unwise and unaffordable, sir. So, as I only care about your best interests, so it would be out of line for me to say this, and then you say it. So that's uh, apophysis. Examples. Um, 
When apophysis is taken to its extreme, the speaker provides full details, stating or drawing attention to something in the very act of pretending to pass it over. I will not stoop to mentioning the occasion last winter when our esteemed opponent was found asleep in an alleyway with an empty bottle of vodka still pressed to his lips. <laughs> That's kind of a... I will not stoop to say that. But the person, again, the implication there is that the person was drunk. The person may not have even been found in an alley. They might just say they're not going to stoop to say that. I will not stoop to accuse my opponents of being pedophiles. I will not stoop to accuse my opponents of, you know, whatever, you know, being ignorant retards who do not understand science. <laughs> it goes without saying that there is no long-term studies for the safety of the vaccines as there hasn't been enough time to do long-term studies. It goes without saying. So again, it could be, it's, it's how you phrase it, right? Um, in, uh, and they're talking about in a debate way back in 84, when uh, Ronald Reagan was running, um, he used a humorous apophysis to deflect scrutiny of his own fitness and age of 73 by replying, I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political pur purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. So that is a straight up uh, apophysis, right? He is saying, I'm not going to talk about how... Uh, uh, inexperienced and young they are and how naive they are and how little they actually know. I'm going to talk about the issues, right? So it, it is, again, it's so simple, yet when people use it, it's easy to miss it. Uh, in uh, 88, um, Reagan applied a harsher apophysis towards George H.W. Bush's opponent, Michael Dukakis, who was rumored to have received psychological treatment. Look, I'm not going to pick on an invalid. <laughs> That's a good one. Look, I'm not going to pick on the mentally ill. I can't argue with you. I don't want to pick on the mentally ill. Right? So I'm saying I don't want to do it. But by doing that, the apophysis is I'm actually doing it. Former United States President Trump frequently employed apophyses. In 2015, he said a fellow Republican candidate and former uh, HP CEO, Carly Fiorina, 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 I, uh, I proposed, I would not say that she ran Hewlett Packard into the ground, that she laid off tens of thousands of people and she got viciously fired. I said, I will not say it. So I will not say it. <laughs> uh. Vicious. She didn't just get fired. She got viciously fired. In uh, 2016, he tweeted of journalist Megyn Kelly, I refuse to call her a bimbo because that would not be politically correct. So I'm refusing to call her a bimbo because it's not politically correct. It's not because it's not true. <laughs> In 2017, I mean, Trump's tweets were so awesome. In 2017, as president, he treated to the leader of North Korea. Why would King Jong-un insult me by calling me old? 
I would never call him short and fat. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So in light of a potential president bid by Republican uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Trump claimed he would not use the name Meatball Ron in reference to him. So that's Trump and his nicknames. Awesome. Meatball Ron. I like DeSantis, even though apparently he wears high heels. I don't know. During Prohibition, a grape concentrate brick called Vine Glow was sold with a warning. After dissolving the brick into a gallon of water, do not place the liquid in a jug away from the cupboard for 20 days because then it would turn into wine. <laughs> so that's what they said during Prohibition. So do not do this. This is a similar thing to you. Uh, if you have kids, you never tell them what not to do. Always tell them what to do. If you say, don't touch that button, guaranteed the kids are going to touch the button. I would touch the button. If somebody said, don't open the door, I'm going to go open that door. So don't tell people what not to do. Tell people what to do. Ignore the door. Ignore the button. Walk away. Tell them what to do. Don't tell them what not to do. So that's pretty much good enough for uh, apophysis. So happy Yule Day 2 or whatever this is. Glad Yule. Merry Christmas. Hey.